Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to another KG Fifth World Wildcat and Doc podcast. Brothers, how are you doing? Doing all right today. Got a nice tone to my voice and everything. I got some short time sleep and headed back to the house when we get done to finish out the day. Doc, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Working on a couple of books and a couple of journal articles, trying to get it done. You know the academic life. You hear that? You hear that? You hear that? Working on a couple books. The only surprising thing in the, in, the, in the answer that didn't come out is I'm headed out to somewhere exotic. Like the Bahamas. Give him time. Give him time. Give him time. Yeah. <laughs> like the Bahamas. He'll be traveling somewhere, you know. Headed off to yeah. Cuba mm-hmm. somewhere. <laughs> so where, where are you traveling on some? Where's your next exotic locale well, trip? I'm just trying to get back to the Virgin Islands probably in August. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just trying. <laughs> That's going to be a busy month for you, sir. Because we might as well go ahead and share this news as oh, well with the yes. listeners. Yes. Is um, the three of us yep. will be in Indianapolis August 21st and 22nd at NCA headquarters. It'll be Doc's first experience of the NCA mock selection for women's basketball. Wildcat and I are, are veterans at it, but uh, we urge Doc to reply with interest and his interest was, his request was accepted and approved. So all three of us will be headed to Indy. That's, that's going to be a dangerous trip for some folks who ain't used to it. But, this is my second trip to Indianapolis. This time I'm making sure I go to a nice steak. Well, that's only one good steakhouse. In, in but it'll be your first mock selection. Yeah. First mock selection. Yeah. Never been part of that. Really excited about that opportunity. You know, you always hear the news in regards to people going back and forth and as a radio uh, personality obviously I have my questions so now I get to go back as they say behind the curtain Yep. and really see what goes on and so I think it'll be a great opportunity, great experience so I appreciate you two uh, helping in putting me in a position to obtain that opportunity. That's nice. Well, so you're right, it's going to be a very busy summer, August uh, it seems like things are supposed to the start, you have an online class, I'll start that in July, uh, if you would, but it also in July is the fact you have uh, football media days will start kicking off in July, so I'll be heading to the SWAC and the MEAC, and I'm looking at potentially this year adding actually the CIAA and the SIC, we'll see if we can make that work, but I've locked in the trips to, to the SWAC in Birmingham and the MEAC in regards to Norfolk State. I'll be going to NCA on the way to go to Norfolk okay. in regards to New Orleans as they're doing a um, opportunity for a grant that I'm uh, starting to work on for Texas Southern University. Uh, so I'm getting some background information so I can move forward with that and be prepared to present that uh, to the NCA in July, well, in next spring I should say. Um, I've got three tri- three football media days. Uh, the AAC starts off uh, in July, mid July. Uh, Excuse me, sir. Are they back to being the AC? They're not the American right anymore. It's not right now. You know they all over the place. They scatterbrain. Because so, I heard you, heard you say the AAC. The AAC. Okay. Uh, and not as, until otherwise, that's where they are right now. Is that because how they perform in college yeah. baseball? Or? No, no. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm truly pissed about that because I expected more out of out of that conference, um, especially when you look at programs like uh, 
University of Houston, Tulane, um, and then you get some added on, especially with all the Florida schools. When you add at least that, that group plus the two from, from this side of the Mississippi, you expect to, a little bit more. You expect teams to make a run and and get to, get to Omaha, not just, you know, every now and then. Because <laughs> when everybody was, was yakking and all, and I did, and I get that because at that time, Rice had it rolling. They, guys weren't leaving early. Guys weren't headed to the league, uh, to the MLB early. They were coming into college and putting in three years worth of work. Pitching was staying healthy. You had a, had a recruiting staff. You had a coaching staff that stayed that had been together a pretty good while. And it's Rice, amazing how those cycle goes oh, through programs, yeah. particularly if they're not what you perceive as the traditional brand. Right. They were able to succeed and get to that brand, but if you're not able to use that momentum to stay consistent, how quickly it can fade away. So it'll be interesting to see what components did not do, are not doing that. I mean, you wouldn't think it is Graham. Graham obviously knows how to coach, but I'd be interested in looking at his assistants, how many of them have been consistent, how many of them may have moved in their ability, as you said, to track right. students to rice uh, <coughs> in regards to them being competitive. That has certainly slipped in a different direction. So it would be interesting to get your opinion of going inside a circle if you can detach yeah. yourself and uh, really say what are some of the key components three th about th Three things. One, uh, and I was told this by a scout years ago uh, when I actually started, he saw that I was going to actually be there on a regular basis, you know, and, and sitting out, instead of sitting in the press box, I would sit out in the stand. Like one of my mentors, uh, you know, and sit and watch. So you can get a feel of everything. Thing, you know, and he's, he's like first, the first thing out of his mouth was, you got to have Friday pitching. And what he meant by that was, if you got a guy that can pitch on that first day in Omaha, which is usually that Friday or that Saturday, that guy can come back at the end of the week in the championship game. Mm. Uh, so he's, that person is going to pitch at least twice. The next thing you need is not so much consistent hitting, but needed timely, hitting. Yeah. Timely hitting. Say, when, timely when you, hitting. When you, you're in situations... Mm -hmm. And you can pull yourself out of it. You can get a man across. Get a man moved over. Right. Uh, another thing is, just like in, in every sport, you can't have late season ending, uh, late season injuries uh, at no position. Basically, because of what it does, it throws you off. Especially if it's your, if it's your pitching staff, it can kind of like it, it can mess up the whole apple cart. Lastly, coaching staff. They've got to be together a while because it takes time to. Figure out your region. Get a, a uh, one good batting coach, one good pitching coach <clears throat> that can handle guys on a day-to-day -day basis, and instilling them to not just work out when it's at your advantage when everybody's watching, but during the off season you prepare yourself. That was a time that you could go by uh, right during football season. I'm doing back for basketball season, mm -hmm. and somebody's in the batting cage at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. No more. I don't hear that at any end of the schools. Wow. And I would, I would always, because a couple of coaches started to notice. I was, I would mention that sometime. Now, coach, I didn't hear nobody in the, in the batting cage this week late. And this look now would go across the coach's face. And so. You paying attention that it, it was almost like you paying attention you paying attention that much that like I done got accustomed to it now. 
If I don't hear anything, yeah, yes, that tells me nobody's working. So I'm, what I'm seeing out on the field is a result of. Right. Um, Makes a lot of sense. And then, the, the, lastly, it is about facilities. At some point, you got to put some bells and whistles on together to just bring them so in. Add on. Add on. You got to continue to add on. They took the first step, and it's perfect at the time. But now, yeah, because the next step is not. Rice is uh, mm -hmm. Rickland Park has been redone three times okay. since they since it's been up. Before that, Doc, trust me, it wasn't too far from McGregor. It wasn't too far. I mean, it was almost like a public park and all and, and everything. <laughs> um, now they can see over five thousand at any time when they need to. <coughs> and the uh, it's a nice facility, and it's almost like a small a, a smaller uh, minor league park. Correct, uh, and it's all open atmosphere. But the, the point that you're taking, I think, is valid. Is now the um, better branded institutions right. that I like to speak of in terms of that nomenclature. What many people talk about in terms of the Power Five, when you start looking at their uh, facilities, uh, baseball included, particularly as we talk about that, is the fact that um, they are actually top quality, Triple A. Right, uh, quality programs, if not better. So, as you you make an excellent point when you compare, uh, that you have to continue to push forward, or you can quickly get behind, and then that can start hurting your recruit. And uh, lastly, <coughs> speaking of Rice, that coaching staff that start that that started out together got them to a, a World Series championship. Pretty much, that whole staff has moved on. Yeah. Uh, they're all head coaches now. Um, and that is just like in any sport when you start losing your staff to head coaching positions it takes a while for you to rebuild just because you've got to find some guys that's going to fit in your system as a as assistant coaches and put forth not just an effort but put a drive into the, uh, the new kids coming in and when it comes to recruiting and we all know Recruiting is the, the lifeblood of any college program. You got to convince those kids, you know, look, this is real where your position is in, in the draft day. And everybody knows draft go, the, the MLB draft goes from the time they start drafting in the morning to basically the next day when folks get tired of drafting. Because we've all seen it go um, almost 25 to 50 rounds an hour just to find some, because somebody wants to wants to fill in their form teams and stuff and put it together. But with Rice, you know, that's where they are right now. This year they had a lot of issues, um, some, injury, some injuries to, to key positions. Pitching was one of those. Uh, they couldn't get consistency in, uh, in fielding in conference and out. And they, they struggled all season pretty much Coach Graham has stayed in that way and, and, you know, and kept it all together. But, you know, you're going to go as far as you, as you have players. It's just that simple. Um, if they can, they bow up and make a run in this in the conference tournament. I don't know what transpired yesterday and today because I hadn't checked. But uh, hopefully they last in another day. Uh, the Cougar guy in here. He had no up his mouth 
It's a fucking baseball, man. I mean, I mean <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking he was being patient. I know. I'm just going to let you all talk about baseball and stuff. I'm going to have to carry programs and all right here. Well, let's finish out on this baseball so we can jump back in so we can get into some. I'll tell you what we do then. We can talk TSU and HBU too because they're winning as well. That's why I was going to jump in there and say, let's talk about The one thing I'm happy about. Because you all get a little long in the tooth with this right. So, I mean, you know. We understand they got problems. I mean, you know, he's close to that. That's why he's hootie hoo, man. You know, so, yeah. I, 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 I tried to give his day the sub. He's gonna write a book on. I, yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've said it all year, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with that. Are they gonna win the tournament? Let's cut to the chase. Are they gonna win this Who? postseason tournament? Rice. Rice. No, they won't. They making a run, but can they win enough? No. Uh, and if they do, I'd, I'd be, be surprised. I, I really would, because that would tell well, me. I'm going to really throw a little curve in but here. I, 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 I'm going to talk about the fact that uh, I thought it was interesting. This is the first time I came across this. is uh, We talk about basketball, women's basketball, and particular things that they need to do in terms of pushing the sport forward, mm-hmm. whether it's at the collegiate level or the professional level, but we do a lot more of it on the collegiate level with UConn dominating that. I came across the news, and it was because, as I cover HBCU sports, Alabama State was invited to the NISC, the National Invitational Softball Championship. This is put together by Triple Crown Sports. You probably heard Triple Crown Sports in regards to some of the events that right. they have They're organized, which is the WNIT basketball events, uh, as well as Men's and Women's Cancun Challenge Tournament, right. uh, which uh, Sports Illustrated has uh, t- nabbed as a top five destination tournament. Division One basketball programs. So Triple Crown has pushed forward this uh, framework for putting this postseason tournament together outside of the NCA. Much what we see a lot in basketball with these multiple tournaments, uh, including NIT. But they had the idea to say, let's do this for softball, and they have the support, uh, and probably were brought to them by the NFCA, which is the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association that wants to push the sport forward. So they want to give more students opportunity to have postseason participation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was intriguing when we talk about sports diversification and just to let people know that we do talk about it all. And from an HBCU perspective, uh, as I said, Alabama State was invited. They lost, so their season is complete. Uh, obviously, the first round of the softball tournament was uh, last week. Um, regional play and so you had Texas Southern right here in our backyard uh, they went up to Texas A&M and they are back at home as they lost the first two games in that matchup that is coach Warley Barker uh, that has won three of the last four championships uh, seven uh, championships in, uh, in terms of regular season so he's getting it done uh, in regards to that and then it was backed up uh, by the baseball program but I'll tie in a little HBC baseball at the end. But let me finish on the softball thought with Bethune-Cookman that actually went to Florida uh, as they come out of the MEAC uh, in terms of getting the automatic bid from the MEAC team. So both of those teams' season has come from to a close to so the top three programs uh, that had postseason participation in softball are finished in terms of HBCU connection, which was, again, Alabama State, Texas Southern out of the SWAC, as well as Alabama State, and then uh, Bethune-Cookman. In regards to baseball, as I said, yeah, yeah Texas Southern, 
got the regular season, got it done. A classic game between Alabama State featured on ESPN. Uh, I love that. I love that. I, that 13 I, that innings, nice. a really well-played pitch game in regards to that. They won four, the two in the 13th inning as right. they, uh, Alabama State was able to tie it late in that game to take it into extra innings, tie it in the eighth to be uh, specific there. Uh, but Texas Southern got it done. So now that is four tournament championships for Coach Michael Robinson, two at Prairie mm-hmm. View, two at Texas Southern. He's been in the black tournament appearances seven times. So he's uh He's a LeBron James of the Swag Baseball? Yeah, he's getting it done as a coach. Uh, coming Young in guy, too. Kedar in a lot of ways. Yeah, so he has a lot of ways. And, and um, so this is a coach that actually did it at the high school level. And Forrest yep. Brook is, you know, uh, taking the first team from an urban area to, uh, to the state. state. Yeah. Uh, in Austin, and anybody knows uh, about the sports in Texas, you know that that's significant. You know, football is big, obviously has been. But baseball, baseball is, is even significant bigger. in a lot of ways. Uh, basketball is getting that way in terms of it having its significance in regards to being seen from a bro- broader perspective across the nation. We've always thought Texas basketball was good for those that are following in the state. But just to give all our listeners from all over to give them some information about that. But I thought that was interesting to him getting it done. So right now, there's essentially two HBCU programs that are teams that still will have their season to complete as we're coming to close the academic uh, athletic year. And so you have Bethune-Cookman coming out of the MEAC, winning the regular season and the postseason. They, and you have Texas Southern coming out of the SWAC. They were second in the division. They actually went and had to play a makeup game against Southern to determine if they would have got a share or actually get, got a share of the regular season. They lost their game against the tournament. They would have had the number one seed, but it seemed to work out for them getting the number two seed. The bracket went through the tournament undefeated, as Alabama State did on the side until they matched up. And Texas Southern comes home with the championship. So it'll be interesting. I don't see anybody doing a postseason on baseball. So I thought it was interesting. When we talk about issues that you have with baseball, not just the game itself, but for people in general that ask the questions about how do you go to game so uh, people like Chris can, uh, if not have the same type of interest, can understand that it's impactful on the community and make sure those discussions, because it's not that he can't discuss baseball. He chooses not to discuss baseball, which I think is important for us to make sure the listeners understand. But again, my side of it is always to look at this from a sport management business practices, whether I like the sport or not, is what do these sports need to do to make sure that they stay relevant in the cultural framework of society and at various different levels. You know, football is still having major issues while it's able to do it from a country and developing outside of the country in a lot of ways from an international sport is they're having major problems at the youth level. Soccer is doing really well at the youth level, but how do they turn that over to the professional level, which uh, with uh, Major League Soccer, MLS, they're finding a way to get it done. Obviously, international teams, we have an international game coming here with a professor, not an Asari, is working with the Ghana a group here in Houston as Ghana takes on Mexico. So we'll have some students at Texas Southern and our sport management program get a chance to internship. So I'm excited about that. And then you have the international proponent with um, uh, what is it, uh, Barcelona coming in here to play 
uh, again. I thought, I thought it was Man U, Man City. Somebody Man like U, that. Man City. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. A coworker told me that. Yeah. I didn't. I did not. I had oh, not heard man. about so it. That's the city. They <laughs> had a media press. Yeah. So that's big. So those are <clears> things that we look at for the city, Houston. As we talk about those frameworks and just to tie it in. So we brought Nana Sorry to talk in. So you can go into Doxville inside the HBC Sports Lab, SoundCloud, and look listen to our last two shows. I think you really like that. Uh, the one with Dr. Uh, Nana Sorry. Um, is on up now on SoundCloud, and I'll post the one with uh, Coach Barker of soft, softball and Coach Robinson of baseball as we brought them both in the studio. Nice segment with them. They actually grew up, as you all know, grew up here yeah. uh, playing baseball, and now they work together. So we get some great insight in terms of the interview that people wouldn't know. That, that's intriguing about the relationship they had. They actually went to school together and played baseball on – Houston Tillerson's uh, team uh, and uh, graduates of uh, Houston Tillerson University. So, very in, in, intriguing, introspective interview, I'd like to believe. A lot of people have said that. Uh, they listened to it live, thought it was great. And Dr. Nanasari talks about uh, Ghana and the history that he has tied with soccer. So, some different perspectives. Kind of wanted to share that with listening, listeners to let them know that, yeah, we talk and we'll certainly get into the NBA and we talk. Football as times are coming up uh, to get back into that and those kind of things. But we want to look at a little bit of all the perspectives. Last thing I'll say is uh, National Black College uh, Championship uh, goes to Bethune-Cookman University as um, the website blackcollege9.com. I'm a voter on that poll. Uh, has a name uh, we have named as the media but the poll has named Bethune-Cookman uh, Black College National Championship uh, as that part of the season has come to an end. So those are some updates to talk about the season. A couple of little nuggets out there in regards just to close out HBCU sports outside of what I just talked about is uh, give some love to track and field. You'll see a couple of track and field notes uh, and people doing their regional. We have a national champion uh, from the NCAA Division II level, Albany State's. Uh, really? Mr. Jackson wins national title in men's triple jump. Let's give some shout out to him uh, in terms of Cervantes Jackson of Albany State again. Albany State, Georgia, HBCU at the Division II level, part of the SIC, wins the 2017 NCAA Division II men's track and field championship as a men's triple jump. So I thought that was pretty nice touch to. Uh, let you know about those going out there. And so we have a couple of people tra- um, that are have qualified, I guess is a term that you want to lose, use at the Division One level. So we'll give you some updates on those kind of things. And I think that's interesting as you have uh, St. Augustine's Pierre and Scott inducted into the USTFCCCA Hall of Fame. That's the United States Track and Field. Uh, so we got some Hall of Famers in there for that. Those kind of things. There's an interesting piece that uh, for those that like to read into some uh, pieces of uh, information, and we're going to try to get this guy on our radio show, and so you can check this out later if you get in this kind of thing. Transfer. We talked about transfer rules at the uh, college level. It's really big, right? But now it seems to be getting to the point where it's become. Structure uh, uh, issue, uh, I guess. Let's just call it what it is. An issue for HBCU programs. When you get players that uh, at the end of the year, 
their name to like the conference player of the year. Mm -hmm. So these players, uh, which is worth and right, and I certainly support that part of it, have decided to transfer to better branded, bigger programs. CSU Zach Lofton is is the one of them uh, there. And so you have several of them. And so this uh, article is called Traveling Men. You can go to onadon.com, onidan, www.onnidan.com. It's a three-part series by Luke Williams uh, called Traveling Men uh, that uh, look at this, what many people are now calling the epidemic of HBCU talented players, star players transferring to bigger programs. I think where it, I've kind of said that this was moving from just a trend and having that and saying it became significant a couple of years ago. But specifically when it really hit home for me was in this previous basketball tournament when Xavier went really deep right. in the tournament. Lead a, lot eight, of right? a lot of transfers. A lot of transfers. But two of the key transfers, particularly one that was a starter, transferred from two HBCUs, one being FAMU and the other being Norfolk State. So that gives you some indication in regards to where we're going with the trends. And a lot of this is based slowly on the fact when you put in the cost of living, mm -hmm. which I certainly support, and uh, the money associated with uh, being able to get a greater level of food per diem. So I think when you look at HBCUs, obviously the term that you see in terms of where they are ranked, you heard this term called low major status uh, versus mid-major mm -hmm. and what they call high major programs or the BCS programs. You also hear it in terms of low resource uh, limited resource institutions, they are a, a part of that. And there's two ways that you measure limited resources institutions so people understand that framework. And it comes out of the NCA uh, governing body. And it's either because you fit a formula where your resources are at a certain level uh, that it's not compared to the others, or if you are in a conference where the majority of the member institutions are listed as... Uh, limited resource institutions, then you also fit this category, which means that all HBCUs fit the category. There are some that fit it in one of those two criteria. Just to give you some insight as we talk about that. So my point is you see this further stratification of programs that are listed as division one programs, and I think that's going to continue to push forward. So one thing to keep your eye on is what is that going to mean to the competitive play of basketball and what does it do to the sport of basketball. People talk about the one and done issues, but I think a bigger issue uh, that people have not really focused on is uh, the stratification of basketball in itself, of the number of teams at the Division One level, and not so much about whether players stay here, but uh, the fact that you have this revolving door for players going different places and the financial gap that is between these institutions that play at this various level. And the other thing, oh, you got something? We're going to talk about, y'all touched on, y'all opened the door for college baseball. You need to talk about the updates. Rice, sir, okay. advanced to the Conference USA Championship game Sunday afternoon by beating FAU today 13-2. to two. In seven innings. So, yes, they, that's big. They 10 rule, they run rule them. So, yes, they're going to so play the winner right of now. Charlotte and Southern Miss, USM. So, they'll play the winner of that championship game. U of H advanced to the championship game. Well, they they get a bid to the tournament regardless, right? Yeah. Yes. So, they'll play the winner of UCF 
in East Carolina Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Nice. Got to be on ESPN News. HBU. Houston Baptist. Has a chance to advance to the championship game versus Sam Houston if they defeat Central Arkansas game. Is going on right now. Was pretty big in so that should cover every baseball team that's except it. PV. Yes. Because it's TCR won a swat. So, and, uh, baseball going pretty well here. I will say this about uh, PV's baseball program is they were really rebuilding, and they've took in, taken, I should say, a significant step in that direction. They finished third in the division, and many people had them picked last. Um, and they got in the tournament and went all the way to Friday to Alabama State, coming out of the loser bracket. Uh, winning two games, so they did a heck of a job in regards to that. They did get blown out that Friday night in regards to that where the pitching was just there. But it'll be interesting to see, can Prairie View get back to what Michael Robinson was able to establish there? And then uh, Cullivan was able to win a couple of championships, his assistants. And so now you're on a different coaching uh, framework, which will be interesting. One other thing I did want to sneak in there about HBCUs is at the Division Two level where you had Winston-Salem State make a nice run out of the Atlantic region. They literally played for Atlantic region championship. They lost their first game, bounced back and won four straight elimination games to win a uh, chance to play uh, on Monday, and that was this past Monday, against Millersville in terms of the uh, regional. Well, they actually beat Millersville in the uh, region to make it to that regional championship uh, as they were trying to push forward. They lost to West Chester, West Chester, uh, in regards to where they, on Monday after winning two games on Sunday, uh, part of that four-game elimination uh, streak that they had. They actually won what they call, as I refer to, the mid-major championship versus major championship that I do for HBCUs in football and basketball, both men's and women's in uh, basketball. They won uh, what uh, Black College Nine calls the small division. As Bethune Cookman, as I told you earlier, won uh, the large division. So kudos to Winston Salem State as well, making a huge run in the tournament. And update uh, an HBU's game against Central Arkansas. Tuskies are losing the UCA three zip in the top of the seventh game. Is you can see the game on on ESPN three. Nice. So the winner of that game advanced to the championship game in the Southland Sunday. So there's a lot of baseball going on. Y'all can talk about the Astros if you want to. They're playing a, great. That's all you can say a, right now. We just a little bump see. in the road because I think they lost what three or four in a row this yeah. week. But they had a little bump. That was yeah, the last they couple they of they days. They didn't win, but they got that sweep. Was really we got in yeah. there. The question you have is now you get that, that long part of the season. You have some question with a couple of pitchers. Right. Yeah. You know, guys now they they, they start hitters are starting to settle in and, and, and spot the pitchers up now. So and they see what's coming at them. So it, it, this is a team that can hit, so they're going to be able to win some games. If they can get through the, the month of June, there. you know, if they can make through the month of June, pretty much rolling it with, with not with some yeah. fire, but just, just even just, if they're playing a little uh, five hundred, yeah. yeah. um, they got a shot. They got a real shot because because everybody said the same thing. That bullpen now looks a lot better than it had. It, 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 yeah, it's looking. Yes. It, it had looked. This, that bullpen had looked. This in a good in a, lo- in a, a long, long time, time. Yes. where they could they could make a change and not and then not drop not just, drop off just, yeah. just fall fall off the cliff or whatever. Uh, I kind of like what I'm saying. Folk, they getting they getting the packed house every night. You know, people are on the trains and look like Rangers were chasing them down, but Rangers also started to hit a bump. Yeah, so 
And it's like going to be interesting to see that matchup as Houston goes up mm-hmm. to the Rangers next yeah. day. That could be an interesting part of the season. And you said what they need to do mm-hmm. in June yeah. to kind of start it off. Oh, yes. Doc, Wildcat. Yep. Guess who got invited to participate in the preseason WNIT? Get out of here. Around here? Because you, you wouldn't mention that if it wasn't, wasn't from around here. Of course. It's, this is <laughs> a... KG, Fifth Wildcat, and Doc Podcast. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Local <laughs> team, national perspective. Oh, my goodness. University of Houston. Hey, when you said that, I'm like, oh, my goodness. They ready? We'll participate in the position WNIT. Are you ready? I'm not saying all that now, Wildcat. I'm just saying they're participating in the WNIT. You know, I got no problem with, 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 with going there. One of 16 teams to participate along with, I'll read the other 15 schools, Cal State Northridge, Drake, George Mason, Liberty, Louisiana, Louisville, Michigan, uh, uh. Milwaukee, New Orleans, ODU, new head coach Nikki McCray, <clears throat> Oregon, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, Southeast uh. Missouri State, Texas A&M, and Toledo. So eight of those 16 teams were in the tournament, the big tournament last right. year. So um, we shall see how things go for you, Vance and Coach Huey, but it, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction for the program. I think to be invited to participate in some, it. some teams. So yeah, well, I don't so, know what those other teams look like coming in, coming in, but uh, so they'll you know, programs and all the the, the matchups be announced, Stella. you know, later on. And of course, we'll have those matchups. Mention those on the podcast. I also want to uh, give a little hat tip to the U of H men's program because they are going to participate in a double hitter in Mohegan Sun, mm-hmm. hosted by the Hall of Fame. They're going to play Providence. That game, those, that double hitter will take place in December. So that was announced earlier this week by the uh, Hoop Hall of Fame folks. So that's it's nice. It's and once again, that's a that Providence is a, is an opponent that is a solid RPI opponent. But in terms of in, in, uh, it's, the game's not here. It's going to be in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun Arena. But in terms of local interest for Houstonians, folks will be like, who? <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and, and this season is going to be a vagabond season. So we'll see how many. Yeah. How they adjust and how, how they adjust to playing games at TSU's H and P E Arena. But hopefully they'll play some some name opponents that have that will pique the interest of the Houston basketball fans. So we'll see how that goes. But just want to mention those two things about my alma mater's basketball teams, both having a, a step up in their schedule. Well, you, since you we ventured down this basketball, you re, you ready to tell uh, to, to explain to me, <clears throat> me personally? I don't know about Doc. What the hell was that the other night? No, I'm ready to talk about one other thing about college basketball. Apparently, since uh, the NBA early entry deadline was announced this week, so you had college young men who decided not to stick keep the name in the draft. Right. So that helped some basketball publications put together their way too early preseason top 25s. <laughs> and two of them, one on ESPN.com, another one I believe on, uh, I think, CBSSports.com, but Myron Metcalf of ESPN, both of them had Arizona number one. Hmm. Another, really? both of them have a team from the American in the top 10. It sure went local. One of them... One of the polls has this team fourth. The other has this team sixth. 
Who is this team? Cincinnati? No, sir. Cincinnati is 16th in both polls. I'll give you a very, very easy hint. They're brand new to the American. Get the hell out. Brand, 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 brand new. I don't play a game in the American, but they are part of the American. We're going to claim that. You know what? I forgot about them. And I should have been paying attention, but just because of the baseball program. Uh, Wichita State? Yes, sir. The Wichita (laughs) State Shockers are going to start carrying that flag for for the American. (laughs) They're ranked fourth in one preseason poll and sixth in the other. So just add them to another school that uh, my alma mater is not as good as in the conference. So that makes Wichita State. Yeah. I said since that is ranked 16th, so that's two right there. Uh, we'll see how the other programs rank. I think, you know, SMU take a, will take a step back because they lost a key player decided to keep his name in the right. NBA draft. So that's a big blow to them. UConn. But UConn should be better, healthy, got better talent. So that's three, UConn, Cincinnati, and Wichita State. Cougs should be better than Memphis. Memphis, I think, take a step back, losing some players, yeah. transfers, things of that sort. But coaching is good, though. If oh, without a doubt, Tubby Smith. But last year, last what two years, the American was a two bid league, correct? Right. Wichita State makes them a three bid league, right? Yeah, automatically with points. So does, does that with points? So That's will Uvich or anybody else make the conference a four bid league? Yeah. You got to pull your weight That's down. Exactly. You got to pull your weight down. Exactly. That's what it comes down to. Because all it boils down to, because the other thing is, That's you have a new school and rolling uh, roll in your territory. Because everybody agrees Wichita State and Cincinnati are better than U of H. Oh, yeah. But it's not UConn bad. should be better than U of H come once the season gets going. So that's three right there. We do. I said it as in a previous podcast. Big question mark. NCAA tournament mark. or bust. So will you be the fourth team from the American to get into the comp- to the big dance? You hope. You hope. I don't hope, hell. I expect. Uh, the, the other thing <laughs> is they're getting help by getting these preseason uh, invitation situations because that's better talent than what they've been through, than what they know, than what they schedule. Uh, at some point. You can't be afraid of playing the other folks on Scott Street. I'm going to say that. that, that, that no, I'm going to say that. No, no, no. We've said that for a long time. They need to get over that and come play that. Because the only way you're going you're gonna to figure out what's going on, you got to put that horse in front of everybody and throw it out there for everybody to see. <laughs> Doc, don't laugh. <laughs> don't laugh. Because right now, you running. You ain't making no attempt whatsoever now to call. Well, the game, the game won't be this season. All right, because you. if they play this season, the game will be here at HNPE. Because it can't be at Alphines because it's being renovated. And well, being raised for the Vertita Center. Yep. So they, they, won't, they won't play TSU here. We can forget that pipe dream right there. Well, we can only dream. Yeah that, that's, yeah, that won't happen. It should happen, but that won't happen. Something's got to happen. Something got to happen. So got to happen soon. UVA should play Texas Southern basketball year in, year out. It won't happen. It should, but it won't happen. But now we're going to shift gears to the NBA. What the hell was that? The NBA man? Finals, which which game? Well, let's start with the one here at home and then and move forward. 
what the game what game six disaster yeah by James Harden yeah he was horrible okay let me ask this question then now, if you want to have justification for why he was horrible I'm, I'm all ears because I really don't know he was right, horrible I'll, because yes Kyle Murray he was horrible Everybody said, no sugarcoating it. James Harden was horrible in Game Six. It's one thing when you have a back and forth, and one or two people ask the question, but when every commentator and analyst asks the same question, what the hell was that? That's the, the, that brings up a big question mark. When I get in conversations, I look at it on the realist side. You hurt yourself money wise down the road. Because that was too visible in a playoff situation for you to leave, and you did. And I know he's he, he he's a he's a star. This year he put forth more effort than I've seen. I basically admitted it to everybody, including you all, because y'all been riding him since he, since he made a run. True. But you threw it all out the window in one game in the playoffs when you needed to be the guy. And if you need, so, so I'm gonna ask this question: Does he need help? Yeah. Does he need to go and ask for help, or is he too prideful to go and ask for help? No, no. He'll ask. He he's asked for help. That's the way he got the talent that he got on this season team in Ryan Anderson and, and Eric Gordon. But but yeah, they they he needs some help. They need to make some adjustments. In, I mean, this won't happen. But personally, I think they need to make adjustments in their philosophy of play. Mm. Mike D'Antoni needs to use his bench more. Okay. Instead of shrinking it to seven. In the playoffs, there's a stat during as the Spurs was pulling away in the series. Tight of his bench roll. And wow. of the eight playoff teams that have played seven players in a playoff game, mm-hmm. seven of them were coached by Mike D'Antoni. So basically. again, seven of them were coached by Mike D'Antoni with seven in rotation in the playoffs. So he's got a plan A, but not a plan B then when, when it comes to situations like that. I don't know if it's really a plan. I think it's just his to do it that much is his thought process and now it's almost become habitual. It's what he gears to, it's what he's most comfortable in doing is that he picks his seven people and I think he is making Chris is making a statement is that you have to find a way to get out of your comfort zone and spread it out. Because if anything else, the old statement is not working. Right, it's so I'm not here to say whether it's right or wrong. We're just saying that a, a course action at this point is not working. Yeah, and so I think it's a challenge, particularly with the style they play. I think you're talking about exerting a lot more energy, so you're asking folks to be at a such a superior level when you're shrinking that bench. That I'm not sure it works, particularly as long as the series go went on. Right. I thought what was intriguing about that is because people really didn't take a look at your stat. Is that early on people thought it was going to be in favor of the Houston Rockets the longer the season went? Right. I mean, the series went. I did. Right. I was one of them. Many people thought that. Uh, but also, I'm sure that people didn't think he was going to shrink the rotation. But as he shrank mm-hmm. the rotation to play seven, actually, I would suggest that the longer the series went, it actually played in San Antonio Spurs' favor, even with the injuries. And that was because yeah. not that they were playing that much better. I mean, we want to give them credit for taking the championship. Right. But a lot of that is because the exhaustion level of the Rockets such that they weren't playing at a very high level. And, you, and the Rockets' philosophy is a three-point philosophy. 
I get that. One of the things but that those first with three points is you when you're when you're tired for tired is the three, three point shooter. That's your legs. Your legs. So if you don't play, stretch out the minutes to more than seven people, then those guys, it's you, just your two nature and physics. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't fit. You gotta you gotta be tired. And you look at it, and other folks have, have said it, as you see LeBron, the Cavs, and, and the Warriors having the success now they're in the finals. Those teams rested their players. The Spurs did as well. Rested their players during the season. Rested their star players during the season. Why did the Rockets do that? They already got people saying that Fagan has said it, and Rockets philosophy, philosophy may change next season, is that you'll see James Harden rest more next season. So he'll have his legs be better in the playoffs once the playoffs start. It's different philosophies. I just, we all know, growing up, this is how, this is the NBA playoff mentality. That the rotation shrinks to eight players. Right. My thing is this. If the players are good enough to be on your team, to make your team, to make your roster, then they should be good enough to contribute in the playoffs when called upon. Yes. Because if yes. they're not good enough, why are they on the team? Yes. Now you look at the Spurs, and clearly the impact of Kawhi being out against the Warriors was awful. You know, everything caught, caught up with them. No Kawhi, no Tony Parker. Ginobili but was, in, but, but you saw DeJounte Murray, rookie, light up the Rockets in, their, in game six. Yeah. Rookie. Yeah. Donovan Simmons, youngster from, U, from Houston. <coughs> Those young men. Uh, Kyle Anderson, slow mo, call him slow mo for the yeah. Spurs. Those really? guys played during the season when Pop rested. I don't agree with the philosophy all the time when you just don't play guys at all. Just sit them down and not play. Don't even dress them. Right. I just say play them because some fans want fans spend money to see stars play. That's true. So I just let them play first few minutes of the game and then sit them down. But that's that's my philosophy on that. But. Give the youngsters opportunity to play during the season, the regular season. Get them gain experience. Let them gain some confidence. So if I need to call upon them in the playoffs, right. they're ready to go. Yeah. It worked for the Spurs against the Rockets. Mike D'Antoni, it didn't work for him. He, Montrez Harrell, you could have put him on the milk cart. No, the way he went. <laughs> he was, I mean, and the Rockets needed an extra body, needed some energy from the front court. And you had James Harden playing, defending in the post. Yeah, what was that? <clears throat> it works in the regular season. That's another reason why you're asking too much of him. You got him defending bigger players in the post. Then you expect him to run offense and score, facilitate, do all these things. It takes a toll on him. He's not a robot. He isn't a machine. <clears throat> you can't have him, de have him defend Powell, LaMarcus Aldridge, stronger guys, in the low post, yeah, he's a good defender, low post. To a point. Yeah. But you can't have him do that all the time. From an opening tip. And then expect everything else offensively as well. So the philosophy has to change. Game one of the finals is June 1st, Thursday. Got some time off. Warriors host. Got the, they got four games. Of course, they had the four games last year. Right. <coughs> Who you got? Or was that... There was Two, two, one, and one. Two, two, one, one, and one. Okay. Too much time off in between? 
I don't believe so. Man, it's, it's Warriors almost, needed it's almost two weeks. That's well, that's one of the perks of sweeping people. <laughs> you know, the, the Warriors are twelve yeah. and zero. So, and I'll be honest, Cal twelve and one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am truly surprised at how both teams went about getting to this point. The Warriors never had a close game at all. I mean, when they just t- decided to just turn it on, it just it, it just went with just like kill time, and we we just gonna move to the next round. Uh, the hiccup with with uh, uh, Boston, Boston and, and, and Cleveland, and Cleveland <coughs> and you, you knew something was gonna happen emotionally during that series just because of what transpired from the from the beginning of it with uh, Isaiah's sister pastor. Um and, then and him and getting hurt, hurt and, and all. Yeah. Um, you knew something was going was, was going to transpire, but I was totally surprised how the game shrunk when he was out. And move ball movement totally changed from where it had been. Not so much dominated, but an isolation situation on a post up and out. All of a sudden, now that ball was like a it was was moving around perimeter, and it was like in a triple post type offense where everybody was moving, and they got got behind picks, uh, did some screen, some uh, giving goes, and it kind of like worked for them. With with that being said, I'm looking for a six game series, and refereeing being what refereeing is. Cleveland could win that again this year. Refereeing being what? Ref, what does that mean? And you're a referee. And I'm what saying. Is, what does that mean? This, you're in big boy territory right now. Don't be whining and crying. You go play. So, uh, so are you, are you saying I'm that looking if, at the bigger, allow the cat, allow more physical play? Yeah. It'll favor the calves. Yeah. Okay. Bigger, strong, and that runaway freight train kept at any time. Somebody <clears throat> gonna get run over. See, I'm picking calves in six. I am concerned about the defense that they play and, and well, don't play sometimes. And um, But if it comes down to it, the best player on the floor, the best player in the series is LeBron James. That's right. And now you've had conversations now this, this, past, this, this past week, I know, because uh, as, as we talk all the time, you and I were one of the rap folks that were sitting in the gym on the weekend. Right. Uh, and folks don't get that. This is the best. He's, this is the best he's playing right now. Yeah, I mean he's efficient, and you can tell. It's it's almost like what that uh, what uh, Charles Oakley said the other day. What he sees basketball wise, other guys in the league don't see, because he's looking at all five positions. He'll get the ball and it and come down while he's coming down court. His computer, his basketball computer, just like steady rolling, and he says, "Okay, get to where you need to be." I'll find you. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take uh, the Warriors. In six. So they'll win in Cleveland. Game yeah. six will be in Cleveland. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm, like they did the I was first hedging, hedging my bet and saying seven uh, with them coming back. But I think they're going to get it done. It's hard for me to imagine... I just think there's something to be said for when you lose the way the Warriors lost last year. I think this is. I, I agree. Man. I agree. I agree. This is because that was no excuse. It's hard for I think LeBron will do what LeBron does. 
but it's going to need some yeah. more help from that. Uh, and I think when I say more help, I'm talking more from his bench. And I'm not sure if those guys are going to get the same level of hunger that he will drive in terms of pushing forward. Um, so I think it will be back and forth, but I think that ultimately you will see um, the Warriors find a way to get it done. And I think it's just that you have two teams in a lot of ways competitively are relatively easy, uh, even in regards to that. So I see you think you'll see the series kind of go back and forth with those kind of different moves and chess being played by the coaches and things of the nature. I think ultimately I see the Warriors finding a way to get it done. Speaking of. Certainly a, if it goes game seven, it's back at home. Speaking of, you got, that, that's a good situation to be looking at too, sideline, coaching staffs. You know, how you guys have gotten this far, and Mike may get a chance this, 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 as, as a stand-in as, as assistant. Yeah, he's certainly going to get a chance. Uh, you know, he yeah. might get another uh, another head coaching. Uh, he's going to be interested in those little small moves. I think he's been in it long enough that he'll be able to make them, but uh, they're certainly going to be important in series in terms of making those small chess matches, understanding his players. But I think the players at this level, and not to disrespect the coaching, but I think the players at this level that have played in, I don't think they get enough credit for this, play the game at such a high level uh, that uh, they understand a lot about the game. And you need coaches in two capacities, I think, at this level. is to make sure that the players don't get too high or too low uh, between different games. They know that in general, but in terms of making it throughout the team, not mm -hmm. just particular players, they take it on themselves to do it. And the small little decisions that are made, some that are noticeable, uh, some that are not, I think, are the difference. But overall, I think players at the professional level, particularly in the game of baseball, uh, a lot in baseball, major league baseball and football, play at such a high level and it commands so much of the intellectual capacity of these players that they do a lot on their own. They just need the little things here and there to shift things to the next level. So I think you see that. I think what is also interesting that you hear going on in this national platform is interesting to me interesting to me is that uh, people are talking about this long break and how they don't like that. Um, but again, this is the business of sport. Um, and the NBA has done a significant job of being able to tie basketball, particularly the finals, in terms of when they premiere these new movies. Mm -hmm. So if you set up that you're premiering a movie, um, the movie theaters don't have the ability to shift things back in front a week. So you're going to have to base on a date. So in football, you have a natural date that they're able to do that in terms of the football uh, football season. And they put two weeks in there to make sure to get everything in. And some people don't necessarily like the two-week break. But you know it's a deadline date. Um, the only way you can do that with basketball or baseball is if you make sure your premier championship is set to start on a certain date. And it also allows you to bookend it if it happens to go set amount of games that you get the maximum amount of viewership based on those premium days, i.e. weekend uh, games be played for the audience that tends to watch. They've studied this kind of thing. So sometimes it's amazing to me for media people that are professionals at this talk about things that it seems as if they really hadn't done their homework in regards to understanding the business side that is connected to sports. And yep. in a lot of ways, to be 
to be honest with you, it's annoying to me. And as if we as fans don't understand the component of business and at least provide us with all the information. You can still provide your opinion that you may not right. like it. I got you. But not to share the big picture of why things are done to me is a disservice uh, to, to the customer base. Uh, uh, yeah. the, you, mean, you mean you don't like the line of it wasn't about the money? <laughs> I certainly don't like that. It's always about the money. Exactly. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's another part that we look at this and and not to go down a rabbit hole, but I certainly want to put this on the table. You know, we have discussions on trying to define racism or racist right. people and things of that. And I did my framework a couple of weeks on how I went into that. But what we're starting to find out, and I really have seen this a lot is this intersectionality as we call it in the academic world where you take uh, different positions on different things a subject matter it may be like culture and sports and if you are able to push them together you get this intersectionality how do they play or you might look at sports race and culture or sports and uh, policies and sports and different natures when you look at intersectionality and so the reason I brought up looking at uh, race or racism is there's no magic wand that allow you to t say whether race played in this. There are a lot of frameworks that would suggest that it's true, but you can't measure that on a continuum of like how racist somebody is. Are they fifty? Was this fifty percent right. based on racist? Well, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's we know business and sports. You can't say that the decision was fifty percent of it based on business and fifty percent based on history uh, or thirty thirty. Right and forty in some intersectionality, right. we know it exists, but to be able to numerically be able to break that down is mm -hmm. a challenge. So, I wanted to put that on table is we need to understand what this is, where sports have come, and no matter where we like it or not, it is a fact. And so, if you're going to provide the framework that you don't like something, I think that is fair. You know, we all have the ability to say what we do or do not like, but also make sure that you tell. The whole story. Right. Two things. <clears throat> I'm going to give the, the days of the uh, Final Four, excuse me, the NBA Finals. Thursday, June 1st. Sunday, June 4th. Wednesday, June 7th. Friday, June 9th. Monday, June 12th. Thursday, Game 6, June 15th. Then Game 7, Sunday, June 18th. That's a lot of gap. That's a lot of gap. But, you, but it's, to me, it's not necessarily a gap when you look at the fact that you got these teams yeah, yeah. going across. Yeah, and the teams are no yeah. problem because they're, they're doing the style. But you also have the media that you need to make sure is in position to do this. So you can maximize on the coverage. And this is becoming a world sport. So you're talking about media people that are literally coming around the world. You also want to take advantage of how do you optimize your time in terms of television exposure. What are your best days? And again, this has been done by data analysis in terms of what are the best days of the week to have games, right? And, and so you, you want to put all that together if you're going to maximize your revenue opportunities uh, for that. And the financial component of the game in terms of what you play players are so big that it makes sense that you provide them with the biggest platform to play their best on the biggest stage. If that means making sure they have an extra day, right. so be it. Thursday, I, I Sunday. Think, I think we get so lost in the historical components of this is what we did back in the day when there were really no rules. People didn't understand the taxation on on the body in regards to that. We didn't care about athletes from that. We just go get the next one. And we, I would like to think that to some degree we're past 
this framework that that we just treat players as if they are just bodies and commodities, right? Yeah. At some point, we have to, as human, right. understand that. And if you did. choose not to be that type of person, that's you. Uh, but I'm certainly going to speak on it. Okay. The, the NBA and Commissioner Adam Silver have, have done a better job of reducing the number of back-to-backs the last two seasons, and they're even doing which is smart. They're doing studies and doing more of that because studies have that's shown smart. that the impact on the body and of performance, One's et cetera, et cetera. From a humanistic so perspective, and it's nothing else from a financial perspective. Exactly, it's smart. And Why? What is so wrong with being smarter about? Once we gain more information, because Doc, that's that's too logical, and that makes right, it, which it, is it, scary, it, and it, why we are in the position we are today. Because things, people don't want to be logical. And the other part of that it's, it's <laughs> about that is it simplifies it to the everyday guy can understand it, and they don't want that. Well, I, I don't want to insult the everyday guy. It suggests that uh, that. Um, they don't have the capacity in order they want that. But, it but, may but, be but, some but, that have but, other no, issues. No, let's be frank with this. See, a lot of people, we allow a lot of people to cover their real issues and say something else. I'm not about that anymore. I'm going to call you out on why you have real issues. I got you. I, I understand that. And that's why we but, do these podcasts. That's but good. at the end of the day, so I'm not covering for people. We don't cover people I'm not like covering for that. So I don't even want to it. Some of them folks. Some of them folks. Well, them folks. Me go let, me, let me ask I, you this. I, I want you to go there because if not, they won't hit it. Let me no, ask you. And I, I, we're going to wrap it up, but I forgot to. A couple things <laughs> is let folks know how they can find you on the internet, Wildcat, and then Doc. Thank okay. you. All right. Uh, you can find me at uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, at JL Woodley1 and Jerry L. Woodley Jr. Uh, SoundCloud. YouTube, you can find me at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. Doc? I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the sports professor here at Texas Southern University over the sport management program. Um, excited that we're starting our Master's of Science in Sports Studies and Sports Leadership this fall. And looking at some very intriguing things for our students. We'll continue to make sure we get that information out to you. But to talk about sports, particularly HBCU sports, you can listen to my weekly show, Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop, every Tuesday from 6 to 7 on KKBQ, 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, you can go to KCUH TV to watch it in terms of the streaming video. You can also find it on SoundCloud as a podcast. That's Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. To follow me on social media platforms, you can do that Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. That's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And I've uh, had several hits on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram over the last couple of podcast we do right here so I just want to say thank you to those that choose to follow me hopefully I'm providing you some meaningful content yes and thank you for the new listener we have to our podcast uh, thank you for the kind words you know who you are thank you because I will send you the link to this podcast as well Wildcat yeah 
Were you at the Touchdown Club this week? No, sir. Um, I had to. Uh, I was pulling the jury duty and got picked. <laughs> oh, okay. So you did the civil oh, duty. Okay, well, yeah. that's good. So you'd so, have a chance to see. Uh, the civil case, too. It was interesting. See, <laughs> Coach, uh, you had Coach, head coach Mitch Applewhite. Uh, do his thing at, at the How, touchdown club. What's been the response to that? Did, did they have a big – my question is, always with that, because U of H has not been known to have a large yes. contingent. How was the reception? I mean, I only saw a couple of picks from uh, Mark Berman and J.D. Joseph Duarte. It didn't seem sold out. We probably have to ask Neil Farmer no, I, I to get a better yeah. idea of the attendance. But Major did a good job. You know, when he was introduced, the people there wanted to give him a standing ovation, and he, after a few seconds, said, "We need to win games first. Calm down." Basically, that's what he said. You know, so I, I, now and they got a, they get they got a guy. They got so, a guy to understand. So that. yeah, so that I was glad to hear that. It's about winning football games. It's not about all this other stuff, the, the hobnob and stuff. You do that outside of other times, but they're doing pretty well in recruiting. The the H time takeover is doing well. You still got young uh, young men or who have committed or have are considering uh, U of H, so that's a good thing. I'm gonna wrap it up. I gotta let folks know how they can find me on the internet. Uh, I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. Kudos to James Harden because folks love James Harden. Because four or five of my Instagram clips of James Harden, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 views over this crap. I'm not even sure the love affair of it, but I'm, I'm not mad at it, though. <laughs> you know, he just, you, you know, see? his clips from uh, post-game press conferences of the Rockets, you know, home games, his playoff games, the last one against the lost to the Spurs in game six. He was straightforward and to the point. You know, I had uh, one of the clips with Pat Beverly. When he talked about the passing of, of his grandfather, that's up there as well. Even that, that was more heart, heartfelt to me. Got less views than James Harden talking about other stuff. So whatever, folks love James Harden. So I'm kind of sad to see the Rockets season ended so fast because I was about to blow up on Instagram. <laughs> so, so is there anything different than he, he, he going to it? Like I said, folks love James Harden. That's all I can say, Kat. I really don't understand it, but I'm not going to try to judge it. it. I'm just going to I look forward to basketball season starting <laughs> up in October so I can do it again. Are you asking so, any questions that you, you been? I don't even have to. I just put James Harden up there, and there it is. He, he could probably do the alphabet and uh, <laughs> give me thousands of views on Instagram. So, you know. Hey, that, that's a lot of love. That because I was, you know, I was at, yeah, I was at practice yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's all it is for that. Find your niche. So I look forward to that. <laughs> Find your niche. But college football is, I think, I saw it on Twitter, is 96 days away. Yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at ZHR Review. Oh, I must throw a rock at you from our colleague, John Royal. He <laughs> tweeted at, at, at uh, up me directly when I put on my Twitter that we're discussing college baseball in this podcast. Uh-huh. John asked, wait, did Jerry actually see some college baseball this year? Yeah, I saw some college so, baseball this year. So, I sure did. So let me reply to that to John and say, yes, he said he did. So. Yeah, I went by that. And trust me, I went by to a place where I, I don't I don't get rocks thrown at me. And he knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, too. Yes. I, and he and he knows what I'm talking about. I went by the, two, the three places and watched baseball where nobody throws rocks at me. <laughs> and my thoughts are out there. We're hit, we, we hitting that and touching, dancing all around it. U of H baseball, Coach Todd Whitting, and the media contact person, yeah. right? 
I'm not going to mention his or her name, but they know who they are. Treating shabbily, Chronicle writer, B-writer for U of A, Joseph Duarte, uh, not talking to JD. You can go into more specifics, but coach forbade the players from talking to JD for some stories. Didn't like, did not like how JD wrote a story about Seth Romero, a U of A baseball player who got himself in trouble and got himself kicked off the team. That's right. Because of what he did and failed to do. And he should have corrected that. Coach Whitting did not like the, the write up and acted like I just very unprofessional and took it to Twitter, blocked Joseph on Twitter, and didn't even realize the ramifications of that because all Joseph had to do was retweet or show us a screenshot of being blocked by the coach on Twitter, which that started more uh, bad press for U of H baseball. So why would you want to do something like that, publicize that, instead of handling this behind closed doors, so, and at the end of the day, it all boils down to we got a job to do. Uh, some of us are a little bit more aggressive than others, but the one thing I can actually say about JD is he's fair. He's one of the few guys in this in this town because of by attrition was covering two major programs by himself through several seasons, and was expected to put a story out every day, not just in print but also on social media and had to keep up with it. So when he got, a, and I, what I call it was an attack, he was doing his job. And the story being the story, he just stayed with it, reported it, and was fair about it, because it could have been worse. It could have been worse. If you got a beef, just like KG says, take that to a one-on-one. Y'all sit down with the AD and the SID and the, and, and the head of, of media relations and the coach and resolve that behind closed doors in an office somewhere. Don't go online. Nowadays, social media can kill you just as quickly as it can lift you up. Don't play with that. Do not play with that because you are loose. Social media is not kind. And those are folks that don't, they may care about your program, but when they see a piling on, they can pile on. And we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, sir. No problem. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Doc, enjoy your, your trip back home, visit the family. Thank well, uh, you, Wildcat, you enjoy your yeah. trip to Oklahoma City for the college softball World Series. Yes. And then, uh, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, a bit the listeners, Wildcat and I will be in Columbus in a couple of weeks. Yeah. To uh, do a little site, site visit of the uh, 2018 ho- home I, of the I don't know what this Women's Final to, Four. Because I've never, been, neither one of us have never been, so this is like a, a real trip. <laughs> so, a, yeah. A real sightseeing. And I won't disclose any more details. Just, just keep listening to the podcast because we may have a surprise for you. I don't want to yeah. put him or her on blast just yet. So. And like I said, so we'll be in Columbus in June, and then in August, the three of us will be at Indian headquarters for the mock selection. So we're doing big things, as we always do. So I'm going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.